0: Hey, hi. Welcome to The Whole Podcast. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay. And joining me today, as always, is my very special friend, Becky Evertar. Say hi, Becky. Hello. Becky, I didn't even let you say who you were.
1: I am the author and co-founder of our Journey to Wholeness program, a program which is designed to help you feel equipped to face life's challenges.
0: Yeah. You know, I was just talking to a friend of mine about Journey to Wholeness and... I feel like we talked about this last time even, but I wanna make sure that you know that a lot of people think journey to homelessness is like, Oh my gosh, yeah, that's super great if you're a recovering addict, or if you're, you know, just got through a divorce, or you just came back from war, or you just, you know, thinking that everyone else has a problem being broken. But here's uh, a spoiler alert, we're all broken. That's right. That PTSD isn't about bombs dropping or, you know, being victimized somehow that like we've all gone through some trauma in our lives and it's it's not a and it's a it's not like one trauma is the same for everybody everyone's got a different sense of trauma and you know what that means and that can be loss, that can be abandonment that can be just about anything and so uh journey to wholeness is a fantastic tool and this podcast is like a really like a small slice Mm -hmm. you know of what journey to wholeness can be and so uh we've got You've got like new classes of Journey to Wholeness coming up, yes? That's
1: right. This September, we have new courses in person starting up, and we'll soon have an online option so that if you're not in the area, you have the opportunity to go through the
0: program as well. That's awesome. So what are we talking today about?
1: Today, we're talking about the truth about perspective. Hmm. Yeah, perspective is something that's interesting. Either you don't believe in another's perspective or you think that your perspective is 100% true and the only way to live and uh, operate in your life, and that's not necessarily true. And so what we like to do is start out by defining what that term means so that we all start out on the same page and then really discussing how it's a benefit for us, but also ways that it may be hindering us when we don't understand how it works. Awesome. So perspective is the unique and particular way that we see the world. No two- perspectives are the same they're unique to each individual and they're unique and varying background now think about that environment senses experience interactions parents family culture neighborhoods all of that will sway and influence someone's perspective it's a combination of our viewpoint but also our understanding so you can see there's no two perspectives that are the same in the entire world they may be similar but they're not the same because they're influenced by the different voices in our life Uh, God's voice, if you're a believer, parents, coaches, friends, your spouse, your neighbors, now you look at the multitude of variations that you can have and you can understand how we are really uniquely and magnificently made, just like scripture says. Um, So when we think about perspective, it's really the filter that we see the world through. So uh, it's also the framework that we apply And which defines every situation in our lives. Um, Our perspectives are real to us, but they may not always be reality. We see and understand the world through the folder of our, uh, or the filter of our subconscious, our hurts, our pains, our negative experiences, our positive experiences, uh, any abuse of trust. All of those things will cloud and pollute the lens by which we see the world. So if your perception tells you that people are trustworthy, or untrustworthy um, if they're untrustworthy you'll be skeptical of everything in life you won't take anything for face value if your perception tells you that there is never enough then you may live in uh, not being able to provide for your family because you're living through that perspective there's nothing I can do nothing I can achieve nothing I can acquire that's really going to provide for them because my filter says that there is just not enough ever Uh, and if your perception tells you that a certain demographic is not safe you will act defensively toward individuals of that demographic no matter what the situation or the construct is. So you can see really quickly how our perspective can really sway or influence or change or cause us to make assumptions and uh, work on beliefs that may not be reality.
0: Hmm. I love that. In, <clears throat> at LC Downtown last week, we were kind of talking sort of about this subject. And we were, I was trying to explain to people something that I've been thinking about where I feel like Like we know our story, we live our story. So it's fully and completely true, right? It's fully and completely real. And so, the mistake that we make is that when we encounter someone, whether for the first time or, like you said, with our spouses of 20 or 25 years, we just start assuming that they've been living the same story or that they've got the same information, that they've taken part in the same movie as we're taking part. Right. And and so when something does happen or doesn't happen or how someone responds to it, and you know, if it's not if it's not according to our story or doesn't like make sense in our story then we're all like mad and like wait how come you why would you and you know and I feel like that's where a lot of our conflict comes from mm-hmm. is that we don't we don't know the context of other people's lives and we just assume that their life is our life right you know like i there's there was, a, there was a, i think on social media um, about sex trafficking and someone was telling the story about a woman that they know that denied the existence of sex trafficking because she doesn't know anyone that's had to go through it mm-hmm. she's and so as far as she's concerned
1: it doesn't exist It
0: doesn't exist
1: mm-hmm. right and she's
0: adamant about it we're making such a big deal about this it's not even a real issue mm-hmm. cuz it doesn't affect her right you know and like and i think the same thing is true kind of like in our 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 racial dilemma right mm-hmm. now right. that you know people will talk about like white privilege or something like I don't have white privilege. I earned everything I had, Mm -hmm. right? I worked hard for everything. That's totally probably true, right? right? White privilege isn't silver spoons, right? It's not, Mm -hmm. which was a show when I was a kid. Yeah,
1: it was. I watched that show. (laughs)
0: Anyway, that's not white privilege. White privilege is just having opportunities that maybe people of color didn't have or Mm -hmm. the people of a different socioeconomic station didn't have, right? And so, like, it's stuff that you wouldn't even know because you're living in your own movie. You've mm-hmm. got your own story. Mm-hmm. And so, as far as you're concerned, everyone lived out that same story. Everyone lived out that same movie. Right. Everyone had Mrs. Hanneman, right, in ninth grade, who really took you under her wing and taught you about something. Like, everyone, so you think everyone had Mrs. Hanneman. Right. Hey, not everyone did.
1: Exactly. And we can make the mistake of thinking that. Because we are in the same household, even, that we have the same exact experiences, except remember, it's viewpoint um, is included in there and understanding. And so your viewpoint, just because you were in a different room observing or hearing what was going on in your house, gives you a different viewpoint of what was happening, but also your understanding based on whatever you experienced before. So it's quite... Frequent that we go. Wow, those two people grew up in the same household, and yet this person took this trajectory, and this person took a totally opposite trajectory. Yeah. And so we can have the same exact experience, except that our viewpoints and our understanding were different. And so we came away from that experience with a whole different definition for
0: life. Plus, there's the structure of our of our heart and our mind, anyway. Like, just, I mean, like not all kids that come out of the same parents are built the same. You know, in their right. heart, in their mind.
1: Yeah, start with your DNA first. That right. that pool of DNA, that swirl that happened is different. We're not exact replicas or copies of each other. Right. And so we can be very different even though we have the same experiences, which will then determine how we interact with the world going forward. And so we have to think about how our memories actually work. Our memories are not always an actual account of what occurred. Remember, viewpoint and understanding. Uh, and I like that you said that um, it's like a movie, right? The narrative that we have uh, based on the events that occurred. And if you if you just watch one of those CSI uh, shows and they ask, you know, witness, tell me what happened. They have a very stark different description of what happened there's some things that are common right there's some truths that are true there's some facts that are facts but really then the rest of the narrative around it is based on their ideas their fears their hopes and how they've framed the world so events are made memorable when there's this ramp up of cortisol and endorphins so depending on how you receive that if that was something that was maybe scary for you maybe your parents were arguing um, and you were closer to the argument than your sibling was you You may have received and perceived that differently than they did because the volume that you perceived it as made you believe that there was something wrong in my world, whereas your sibling may have been outside and heard a muffled version of that. So they didn't perceive that as something wrong in their world. They just heard mom and dad talking, right, because of the amplitude. So you can see how really quickly um, we're affected by really where we were in that situation and whether or not cortisol spiked in your body to make a memory if you have too much cortisol in your body when you have a memory your memory begins to fragment and when your memory fragments then your brain goes to work to try to make sense of the details by filling in information and there is the narrative that can be different from someone else's so our memories are not a video they're formed by the way that we narrate them into a story which frames our perspective and then helps us determine and how how we're going to interact with the world going forward
0: yeah i want to make sure that we sit in this for a second because You know, you you open that uh, statement with our memories. What were the words? Our memories aren't
1: are not always an actual account of what occurred, or a video. Right? It's not like it's right.
0: right? And so there's a bunch of filters. Yes. A bunch of filters. Yes. How we were feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. Where we were positioned. Right. Right. If you were hungry. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So like all these things Mm -hmm. play into how you know we perceive that moment, and so. I feel like that's a really big deal because sometimes we're like, we are so reliant on our memory being factual Yes, that we'll be. So when we get into um, conflict with someone, we'll talk about our memory. Well, I remember we sat right here in this room and this and this happened and that and that happened and like, okay, well maybe, right. <clears throat> but even like, I mean, the most obvious thing is like, there was a tone in your voice mm-hmm. and I, and like, well, I mean, now listen, a tone is like a subjective Yes. Thing like so, like you can't, we can't assign value to that. So right. like we've got to keep that. It reminds me of like a court case. Yeah, <laughs> like this is circumstantial. We're gonna have to set this aside, right? right. Because it's not. That's not what I mean. You mm-hmm. know, fingerprints, right? Mm-hmm. And and. Bullet casings. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to use your CSI thing. Like that's what that's what we can go off of. Mm -hmm. I can't go of how you were feeling or what you thought someone else was feeling, and all those things go into our memories. And so that's why I just feel like I don't know if this is where you're headed, but I feel like grace is so important in all of our relationships, Mm -hmm. particularly if you're a believer, because I mean, like we're 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 assigned grace. Like we're, we're assigned grace and so, but even people that aren't believers, like even if you're just like a regular Joe, like grace is so important in our relationships to extend like the benefit of a doubt.
1: Right. You know, and I think it's important to point out that again, your perception is your reality. So it's not to discount that the tone of someone's voice did impact you. That's still true, but we have to acknowledge that the intention that that was delivered with may not be what you perceived or what you received because you made that – decision or you receive that through the filter of your past experiences and so if you're talking to somebody who wasn't raised where there was a tone of voice that implied something in their life when they use that tone as you perceive it the intention's completely different and what we have to do and i love that you went to grace is that we have to have the grace to say okay let me communicate something to you here's what i heard when you said that yeah and can you clarify for me because if that was your intention, then we have something to, you know, have a discussion about. But if that wasn't your intention, I need to have enough grace for you and for me and for our relationship to say, let me understand a little better. Yeah, Doesn't discount how I felt, doesn't discount how it was received, but the intention is what we need to get to the root of. Um, so. Yeah, perception is 100% something that we need to understand, and we need to understand what to do when we need to uh, clear up our perspective, right? So if we're operating through this dirty lens, and we're seeing the world through the filter of things that may have occurred in our lives that we didn't necessarily call abusive or traumatic, it was just... What we experience and how we decided we were going to view and interact with the world, we have to understand that first, so that it doesn't taint our relationships today. And unfortunately, too often, we haven't spent that time in understanding ourselves and understanding how our viewpoint was formed and and how our understanding played into what we experienced. And we can do a lot of damage in that. Um, what's beautiful about perspective, Is this because we're talking about it and you're like, oh my gosh, my perspective is all askew and is running me off course, and I, you know, this is a bad thing, right? No. So, just like there is a negative aspect, there's also very positive aspects to it. Most of what we find that we've run into uh, that has gone a little astray or has kind of got off a track is something that actually is a power to us or a tool for us or a resource that has great potential. And so we have to understand that perspective requires that we acknowledge that our perspective is just a part of a larger complete picture of a situation so that we can have an accurate understanding and accounting. So when we understand that we were made for relationship, we were made for each other, of course, uh, to derail that we would have our perspectives impacted. Why is our perspective so important? When we unify them, when we bring them together to get the larger picture, we have so much more potential for doing and correcting things in our world that are not correct right now mm. that are not good and when you think about that you think about the part i'm just thinking of we are the world right <laughs> that song and when we come together and bring all those slices together now we are empowered to do so much more but when we rely on our very minuscule small slice perspective we are really restricting our ability to do good and to make change in the world that is long lasting
0: mm. that's really good mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just, now I can't get We Are the World out of my head. <laughs> and so I'm replaying that whole video in my mind. Because, like, everyone was in that. Bob Dylan was in that. Everyone. everyone. And they were so
1: different, Yeah. right? Yeah. And yet there's still one truth, many different perspectives. But there's value to that perspective. If I can see something from this viewpoint, for this uh, standing, from this background, from this experience. Because maybe you didn't have that uh, encounter or experience. And so it doesn't seem true to you. But if I hear from four people on this side of the spectrum and they're all telling me that that does exist and that's true, then absolutely. I want to help you to make that right. Right. And so that that doesn't operate or exist in my world because I've relied on a really narrow perspective about whatever it is I'm I'm looking at right now. And so I have to understand that I am limiting myself when I restrict or I don't take into consideration another person's viewpoint, their perspective, because they're going to inform me about something in the world that I, up until now, was not aware of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we, I feel like, I mean, if you're not applying this to today's world, then you're not really paying attention, right? Because Mm -hmm. it just, it seems like there's, there's conflict at every turn right there's certainly you know in today's world you know um amidst a, a pandemic you know there's there's no clear side and so we each got to have a perspective on that and that perspective not only is based on you know our experience mm-hmm. it's also based on like our politics it's based on you know a thousand different things our socioeconomic station again like all these things affect that mm-hmm. and so and so, for us to say that my perspective is right and your perspective is wrong is to say my movie's good and your movie's bad, mm-hmm. right? And like we 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 don't have that. We we can't say that. We can't, you know, we don't have the right to say that. Mm-hmm. And so and so the same thing is true of you know any kind of you know racial crisis. The same thing is true of any political thing. I mean, it's just, you know.
1: Yeah. You might think that your viewpoint or your perspective is objective, but that's not true because just by the definition of it, we have established that it's subjective 100% times a thousand. Right. right? And so we can't say that it's an objective perspective or viewpoint. We can only do that when we gather that with others from different backgrounds and different areas and different demographics and different cultural backgrounds to actually have a true view of what is true. And, um, so yeah, we definitely, and I want to go back to this. When we understand our unique perspective, we appreciate our perspective, right? We come to the table with something very special, very unique that needs to be heard. We need to speak what we know and contribute because when we don't then we don't give others the opportunity to understand their world completely and so don't feel like well i have nothing to say or contribute to this what your perspective even if it is uh, faulty or if it's uh, clouded it's important because it's a reflection of your experiences in your part of your world and we need to understand our world as a whole if we're going to do anything so to understand our perspective means there's no guilt or shame in the fact that okay maybe your lens is a mess right now but but it is true to you. It's true to what you experience, and we need to hear, and know about that.
0: But I feel like just the opposite of what's, is what's true right now. Is so people aren't people aren't, you know, um, you know, afraid of what their perspective is, or like thinking that their perspective is wrong or messed up. Mm-hmm. They're just convinced that everyone else's perspective is wrong and mixed <laughs> up. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, in the in the in the same, the, but those same rules apply. Where we have to stop talking and start listening. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we have to like you know yeah i think of it like uh, sorry i keep going back to social media but like there's that thing there's a meme that's going around like hey what if you just obeyed the law then maybe you wouldn't get stopped by the cops mm-hmm. which is totally oh middle class white dude thing to say i feel like mm-hmm. i probably shouldn't say that but it totally is you know like cuz it reminds me of
1: well you're a middle class white dude so that's your perspective
0: <laughs> right yep that is right yes and so i just i mean like I remember sitting down with a guy named uh, Chris Bell, the Reverend Chris Bell, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about this issue, I don't know, months ago, and he told me a story about how he was living here in Green Bay and uh, was driving down to Appleton to go to Fox Valley Tech Mm -hmm. to go to a class. He was running late or something. I don't even know. Anyway, a cop passed him and then uh, lit him up, pulled him over, and before he knew it, Chris was handcuffed, face down on the ground. Right. Right. And then, like, for, I don't know, 40 minutes or something, he said. And, and then the cop was like, ah, I guess I got the wrong guy. You're free to go. Like, I just know as a middle-class white guy, I've never been passed by a cop, got lit up, handcuffed, and put on the ground. And this never happened to me. Mm-hmm. Right? And Chris, if you know Chris, you know that Chris didn't do anything wrong. And so, yeah, you're right. I guess you wouldn't get arrested if you didn't break the law. But you know what? People are being, People are being singled out. Um, because of people's perspective of who they are, mm-hmm. you know, that's a such and such kind of guy or such and such kind of girl driving right. in such and such kind of neighborhood mm-hmm. at such and such a time. Yeah. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to make some assumptions about this guy you right. and pull him over.
1: And when you made assumptions, it's just your brain at work. Your brain is doing the job that it was made to do. It's just you formed that early on. So really, when we're thinking about our perspective, we have to think, when did this thought, feeling, or belief begin? And that may have begun when you were small, and maybe uh, grandma said, hey, watch out for the neighbor, because we don't know what they're all about. And so even if she didn't say it was because of race or because of economic situation, you looked at that person, and you made a catalog in your brain right. that said, this person looks like this and lives like this and sounds like this whatever it was, and so when you encountered that again, your brain goes, oop, right? Because when she said, hey, watch out, that rose up your cortisol, it made a memory that made you anxious in your stomach, you weren't even sure, you were little, right? So you weren't sure why this was a problem, but something told you, listen to grandma, because she's a a voice of authority in your life, and she keeps you safe, and so you better listen to this and take note of whatever it is so you didn't necessarily do those things intentionally and yet when you encounter someone who reminds you of that person now that triggers all kinds of thoughts and feelings and emotions and fears right about what that could mean that you can't even verbalize right now you just know that right now you're nervous right now your stomach hurts right now you need to flee away and you're not even sure why Um, you grabbed your purse a little closer right you looked a little longer you eyeballed them to make sure they knew you were were watching them, you did a couple of things without even thinking about it. It's not like you sat there and said, oh, this is just like the person grandma told me about back in 1973 and they look and smell or whatever. No, your brain, your subconscious goes to work and so it can be a scent, uh, the smell of cologne, it could be the sound, it could be a song, it can be uh, the color of the clothes that they're wearing or their accent, right? It can be all of those things. And so it's so important for us to ask the questions right now. If I'm hearing from someone else a story uh, a narrative of their experience and I am quick to disregard it I have to ask the question why when did this thought feeling or belief begin what is missing in my narrative that doesn't help me to actually put my brain around it yes it's much easier to go that doesn't exist right why because I have not experienced it so I don't have any of the tools or capability to actually do anything about it because I can't even fit it into the narrative of my own life but that doesn't mean it's less important we were made for relationship we were made for each other And so it's important for us to go through that work so that we can relate to one another, so that we can have true community, uh, so that we can actually get to the whole point of what perspective brings us in that let's gather up all of the information that's available to us so that we can do something. When we understand our perspective and how if we just rely on our own, that we're limited and that we're errant, it helps us to know to gather more information before assuming our perspective is the only one or the correct one. Or to seek first to understand and then to be understood, right? And so when you said, listen, we have to do more listening, the first thing we have to do is listen to ourselves. What is the narrative that's going on in your mind during these really tough discussions and topics right now that we have right in front of us every day? It's it's a political season. And if you remember four years ago, although I think most of us dull it and put it away, it's the same thing that happens every four years where we're challenged to think about what we want to do to go forward in our communities and in our country and we're asked to give a voice to that right so we all should be bringing a voice to that but we have to understand that all of our voices matter we have to understand first what is it that i believe in where is that rooted and is it rooted on a truth that i believe in as a mature adult that i have decided i have contemplated i have worked through and decided or is it based on something that's really childlike right it was it was just my brain decided this at some point and i've been operating on that system because i haven't taken time to actually analyze look at it work it out and then decide how i want to move forward Mm -hmm. and so this is a great exercise every four years it's wonderful that we're all challenged to think about who we are what we believe and how we want to move forward and then to come together as a nation as a people as a community to do that work together. What we have to get better at is doing the listening to ourselves so that we can learn how to listen to others. Because if we're not even hearing ourselves, we're not really even sure what the discussion or what our part is in the overall uh, discussion uh, or discourse that we're having with our neighbors and our friends. And we want to remain neighbors and friends, right? We are going to remain neighbors and friends. Um, We don't get to decide and move based on our politics or our beliefs. And so if we know that, then we have to do that listening that is so necessary to understand my perspective is singular and narrow, and it may align with some people, but it doesn't align with all people. And if we really want to be who we say we are, this great nation, right, this great people, this people of God, then we have to start learning how to exercise our um, the wisdom of actually taking into account every single perspective to make the best decision for all of us.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's good. I wonder if we could talk for a second about the dirty lenses mm-hmm. and how do we manage people's perspective about us? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like for a lot of us, um, not all of us are sure of ourselves enough. I mean, some people are. Some people are super confident who they are and whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's more of us who are not. And so we're looking for other people's input to try to like paint our image, try to like you know to like mm. you know to determine who we are right uh, how people treat us, how people talk about us, how people respond to us, right We'll use those things to make up this because we can't see ourselves. I mean, I can see my hand, I used to be able to see my feet, but now <laughs> I've got a big belly, and I can't but like I mean like but we can't see us as a whole, right, and so we'll rely on other people to show us that. But the problem is, is that they're uh, not only just dirty filters, but they're like, we were talking about this somewhere else, where they're like, they're crappy mirrors. People are crappy mirrors of who we are. Mm -hmm. So even a good mirror, like the most perfect mirror, is still the complete opposite of the truth, right? Right. So now you take that, plus you make them crappy mirrors, like funhouse mirrors, right, where they're all curvy and wobbly and something. Yeah. And so we're looking at other other people's perspective of us to tell us who we are, and we're looking at this funhouse mirror like, oh, my gosh, my head is huge. Oh, my gosh, look at how long my legs are. Look at how short my legs are. Look at how wide I am. Look at how skinny I am. Look at how all these things are. So we're trying to rely on other people's perspectives of who we are, We're getting an inexact, almost for sure complete opposite or worse version of who we are.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so important, right? Uh, One, there's so many things there. One is, what is that perspective based on? So who am I looking to and have they done the work, right? Is that someone who I see as wise and who has um, Hmm. self-awareness, who isn't quick to respond or react, but they respond, um, who listens more than they talk. Right. And so those are like good tests of that's where I want to be. Is this someone who exemplifies that? And is that a good person to go to, to really, maybe there is a log in my eye that I need someone else to help me to Mm -hmm. frame or see. Um, but what, what happens is we let everyone speak into that right? And so you have to think about the voice that's speaking to you and often what we say in Jordanian Holiness is to watch for the voice of accusation. So if there's accusation, there's a defense, there's a denial. It's not for you, it's not a good voice. And so if you are looking at someone and they start slinging accusation at you, well there's nothing constructive there to work on, is there? Mm -hmm. And so maybe their perspective of me is really skewed as well and I need to know just to shut that down. And so just if there's a voice of accusation that makes you feel ick know that you can accept or deny what that feedback is you don't have to look to the entire world to give you feedback on you because they don't know you uh, close enough yeah really i would tell you don't rely on anyone um to define you right we need to go to the word and what god says about us and i can give you 10 scriptures which i actually have in front of me that uh will tell you who you are because when we're defining our perspective and determining whether or not it's faulty we need to use that bar as believers that's what we do what is that bar? Now, if you have a good and healthy relationship with someone who is very self-aware and has done the work uh, and is kind and gracious, then ask them. Uh, they will be happy to tell you, right? I love getting other perspectives because I want to know, am I really missing something here that mm-hmm. I need to become aware of? Um, so... Uh, there's that, but it made me think of when you said they're a bad m- mirror, and it made me think of 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve. Uh, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Mm-hmm. And the one who fully knows us is Jesus, right? And we may have people in our lives who know us very well, uh, maybe a parent or a spouse who in in love and with grace and um kindly will say well you know here are some things that you say or here are some things that you do quite often and you'll go no i don't shut up or i never do that really and then you know your kid or or someone else a close friend will be like oh yeah brother you do that all the time and those are the things we want to know because sometimes we don't realize that we've put a framework on our lives on our situations that we're operating out of that is not helping us it's not advancing um our growth and uh so we want to we want to do that first but I I would say that most of us operate on this perspective of this has served me so far right yeah. this serves me this has served me well but we have to take really as an objective view of it as we can. Um, and maybe it's someone who doesn't know you at all. And you go to speak to a counselor or a pastor and say, here's what I have. And can you let me know? That's going to be the most objective view, right? They haven't been involved. There's no emotional stakes there. Yeah. Um, they're just looking at what's in front of you and, and what you lay out. Um And they can give you a a pretty objective viewpoint. Now, remember, that's still going to be tempered by how much you actually share, right? So I can come to you and say this and this and this is going wrong in my marriage, but you didn't share that you did this and that and the other. And so they can only give you as good uh, feedback as the information you provide.
0: Yeah, yeah. I loved what you said about, um, you know, the quote in Corinthians where, you certainly we want to surround ourselves with people that love us. And the thing about, um, thinking about being on a on a Jesus journey is you can also surround yourself with people who love Jesus. Yes. And so I want to be informed by that. Mm-hmm. I want to be informed by friends who love me and love Jesus, because I feel like I can rely on that. It's going to be the it's going to be the clearest picture of who I am, mm-hmm. you know. And so, you know, that's I mean, that's there's a lot of fringe benefits to being a Jesus person, yeah. and I feel like that's one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Because I can take heart in knowing I am who Jesus says I am more than I am who my dad says I am, right. or my wife, or my friends, right. like you know my grade school friends or whatever, mm-hmm. that I can fully trust who Jesus says I am. It mm-hmm. reminded me, of course, of the famous Lauren Daigle song about You Say, which is all about this very topic, mm-hmm. about the battles that we fight in our heads and the lies that we believe. And you know, where our value is, and you know, who we are. And you know, the chorus of that song says, You say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing, you say I'm strong when I think I'm weak, you say I'm held when I am falling short, and when I don't belong, you say I'm yours. And like, man, there's weight in that. When if mm-hmm. you're feeling empty and ugly and mm-hmm. worthless, mm-hmm. like, there's weight in those kind of words, and mm-hmm. those words aren't. Necessarily, Lauren Daigle's words; those words are mm-hmm. Jesus's words. Yes, you know, and I love that she's faithful to that. But I just, you know, yeah. I need that in my life. I need Jesus's perspective of me, you know, because I feel like that's the truest one.
1: Yeah, the most dangerous part of a skewed perspective is the perspective we have of ourselves, because we can really defeat ourselves before anyone else chimes in about it right and we can start to look for evidence of the fact that we are not any of those things that you just said from from that song and so when we hear that like don't you perk up a little bit like wait really can i possibly maybe sometimes hopefully be and that's the good news right that's the good news that jesus brought that his word brings healing and his word brings wholeness. And so when our perspective is really skewed to the point where we see ourselves as small and insignificant, um, his word says we have uh, value and goodness and, and dignity in places that maybe have been, um, shrouded by darkness and scum and yeah. filth of the things that we've experienced, and so while it's very important for us to be able to interact with each other and and take into account each other's perspective, the most important part of correcting your perspective is correcting your view of yourself and how. God sees you. And so I love that you said, you know, I look to other Jesus people to surround myself with because I know they're pursuing that as well. Right. And if we can do that together, they're in that, right? If I can listen to your perspective, that might bring light to something that I've had in my life that has been faulty, something that I viewed myself as or thought that I had to engage in or do so that I could be worthy or so that I could earn my way back into his grace that may not be true. And so I've been operating in this and and focusing my resources and energy towards something that he already had redeemed, that he already called good, and he's just like, babe, girl, son, you don't need to spend time in that anymore. I've done that for you. And yet, isn't that the trick of the enemy? To get us to see ourselves less than what we are, which is in the image of a whole and perfect God, that we have that, possibility and capability on earth as it is in heaven that he came and did that work for us and yet we're still living as if we're broken. Yeah. And so we started there saying, "Hey, we're all broken." And yes, I I have lots of analogies for this, but one of them is this. We're like the moon, right? And sometimes you think the moon is full, but there's this little sliver. So, and you look in the calendar, it's not a full moon today. Yeah. What do you mean? It looks full, yeah. but there's this little sliver, and if you look really, really close or get a telescope, you can see the small dark portion of that. And if you're just operating in that alone, you're operating at are pretty much like what 90 some percent well but if you are operating in that whole fullness you're still impaired in some way shape or form and that's what happens in our perspective we may have been operating great and in fullness and we look and achieve and have walked and have uh, attained things in our lives that make us look picture perfect on instagram or facebook right. and yet there's something there's some lack, there's some shortness that we feel every so often and where we're looking for something else to fill it and we're not sure and we can't put our finger on it, that's when we have to start asking the question of whether or not my perspective is impaired in a place that I am not aware of that I can't see. And if I can't find that for myself, then I need to go to a Jesus person. I need to go to a trusted individual who can help me see that, but then I need to go to the Word because that Word is going to strike up in you that place that has been lacking, right? Your spirit is going to leap the minute it, you read about it, and you're like, "Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing that's been missing. That's why my spirit leapt, like it wanted to jump out of my body, because that's the word that I needed to hear about myself. And now I know where my perspective is faulty, and I need to work on that. Yeah, and so, good. working on our perspective is is so important. And how do we clean cleanse the lens? And that's very much we talk about the word, but we talk about very practical things in journey to wholeness. So we started out by asking, when did this? thought, feeling, or belief begin, we have to look at that narrative. We have to understand our stories. We have to understand how we were formed and what we even believe about the world. And then we have to Understand how it influenced us, and then if there's any hurt or pain or negative experience or something that we just misconstrued in that moment, then we have to address it. Hey, that's not what was happening. This is what was happening. Yeah. You ever have those conversations with your your siblings, and you're talking about a story, and they're like, "Dude, that's not what happened. Yeah, this yeah. is what happened." You're like, "No, for sure. This is how it <laughs> went down." And they're like, "Nope." And you have like four siblings, so they're all like, "Nope, that's dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not what happened." And that alone, you're like, "Huh." Oh, I feel so much better, right? Because 80%, 90% of the work is actually... Well, I say 80%. 80% of the work was done just by knowing, right? Now I have to actually do a little bit of work to reset how I perceive the world because I've been operating on that so long that that's just an automatic. So 10% of that work is me going, nope, nope, I remember my parent or my sibling said that was dumb. That's not what happened. And yet I've been interacting with others based on that assumption. Oh gosh, Mm. I gotta correct that. And then the other 10%, that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said when he left this earth, he's like, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to comfort and to help you and to advise you and to remind you and to be that little like poke and and reminder of like, hey, mm mm-mm, you're, you're going that way again. Uh, you don't need to do that. And so he will be with you in that journey. And so it's not as daunting as it may seem. You're like, my goodness, I have to go all the way back in my timeline and figure that out and reapply yeah. it to every situation. Yeah. It is not. Our brains are beautifully made and that they do that work for us while you sleep, right? Your subconscious. Once you deposit that information, once you deposit good word, once you start reading the word out loud and once you start clarifying those things, that work starts happening in your subconscious. Hallelujah. Let me sleep some more, right? So that I can get healed some more because part of getting healed is rest, right? It's equally as important as the active participation that you have to do when you mend a, a cut or a wound and you have to clean it and then you have to bandage it. But then the rest is so important And then we have to grieve and forgive and repent, however that applies to you. Maybe there's something that did happen, and it was awful, and you never actually grieved it. You never actually walked through the sorrow of it, and that is so important. Even Jesus wept. You have to grieve that so you make room for the growth, so that you make room for what's next. Otherwise, you're just hanging on to that, and that's not benefiting you. Or maybe you need to forgive, all right? You need to look at, this is what happened, and that person hurt me, and instead of being Uh, skewed toward anyone like that person going forward, why don't you forgive? Forgive that person. It doesn't mean that um, there's reconciliation. It doesn't mean that there's Um, you're discounting justice. Maybe some justice needs to happen or some accounting needs to happen, but you don't need to be responsible for that. And so maybe you need to forgive someone so that you're not carrying that baggage anymore. Or maybe you need to repent. Maybe you engaged in something, you did something, you decided something, and then you followed up and acted on it throughout many, many years that you just need to say, hey, I didn't know any better, but now I do. And I don't need to carry that. And I don't need to have that hang over me. What I need to do is just say, God, forgive me. And maybe I actually... need to go to someone and say, hey, I didn't know. I am so sorry that went down. I was a fool. I have done that many times. I do it with my children. In my growing process, if I got short-tempered, I immediately, not immediately, but you know, at some point I knew I'm going to go and let them know that that wasn't okay. Why? Because I wasn't going to set that stage for them that that's an okay way for you to be treated because I am the authority in your life. And so there's many times I walked into my kids' rooms and I said, hey, I am so sorry, mommy was acting ridiculous right there. I lost my temper and i shouldn't have spoken to you this is how it should have gone down because i want to correct that for them because i don't want to lay any groundwork for their perspective that they're going to walk into skewed that's going to cause them trouble going forward and then we start the process of resetting our perspective right what do you need to deposit into yourself what words what thoughts um what materials what can you seed into your life right now that's going to provide good fruit that's going to flourish mm. that's going to advance who you are and help you to grow so that your perspective can be a help not only to yourself but also to the people around you what does
0: it look like like what is that what does that process look like What are you eliminating? What are you adding?
1: So when we go through that entire process, uh, we're looking at what are the things that we were believing, right? And then we remove those. We call them them out. That wasn't correct. Just like I I mentioned when I would talk to my kids. That wasn't correct. That wasn't okay. But what is? How do I want to see this going forward? And we have to start envisioning that, right? Because the scriptures always say that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. And so that includes in your thoughts. And so if I want to see something different going forward, I have to start envisioning it. I have to start making a plan for it. And that's not as grand as you think. Every small step, every little um, act starts to plant seeds that grow. You don't grow a garden with one seed, right? It's not like I'm going to do one thing different today than the other days, then that's going to change everything. Right. But when I plant little seeds, things that don't seem to matter today, they really result in bigger changes over time, hmm. where you find yourself uh, suddenly. It'll seem like suddenly, but we know that you know there's not um, – there, there's not overnight successes, right? This is work that's done daily. But can I say, okay, every morning I'm going to read a scripture about what is it that I that I struggle with? If I'm struggling with anger, can I read a scripture that tells me like, don't? enter into anger or this is an alternative to anger. So I'm gonna do that every morning. So, and that's a small thing. I'm gonna do that every morning. Okay, next time I get into a heated discussion, I'm actually gonna pause, take a breath and ask questions before I respond. I'm going to commit myself. So again, you're setting your mind for what you plan to do so that the next time you encounter a situation or discussion or an interaction like that, your brain goes, oh, wait a second. Remember, you decided this, and it will do that. But you have to actually make the conscious thought so that it deposits it into your subconscious. So then when you're, when you're about to react to something, it will remind you, right? And so when the scripture talks about the Holy Spirit reminding you, to me, the Holy Spirit just exists in our subconscious, where it just pushes out the things that we have deposited in and it says, remember this? And you're like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. I did say I was going to do that. Okay. Okay. Let me take a deep breath and let me actually try that this time. And it may work and it may not work, but are you decided? What did you choose? What did you decide you were going to enter into and how many times? Set the standard. Okay, I'm going to do this at least three times before I decide if this works or not. And let it grow, right? Let it strengthen because as you make that decision, it actually gets reinforced in your brain and it becomes easier and easier each time that you do it because it becomes the path of least resistance as you fortify that thought trainer that process or that synapses so that you act like that going forward.
0: I decided recently that I need to, um, you know, in, in my relationship at home, I need to do a better job of informing my wife's perspective mm-hmm. that I just assumed that she was sitting in the same movie theater that I was in mm-hmm. and she saw all the things that I saw and felt all the things that I felt and, you know, got jump scared and got, you know, cried at the right parts. Right. And so, and that's not true. Right. And so like I started doing things like <clears throat> explaining myself, you know, cause at our house, the you know, conflict comes from like short tempers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the other day we were at the kitchen counter talking to the kids about something. And, uh, I found out that Kate, uh, was going to do something with uh, my daughter, Ray. And it was something that I thought I should be doing with Ray and like my body got all super right. And I was ready to fight and I got s- kind of snippy, you know, with my answers, sarcastic. I get sarcastic when I'm mm-hmm. mad at stage one. And so, <laughs> and then it occurred to me, you know, what was happening. And I'm sure that at some point in a, in a previous marriage that it had that, like my first wife probably took some of that stuff from me. And so it felt like that was happening again. And so that my body got rigid, right? And I wanted to fight for it. And so it was good to have the presence of mind or the self-awareness that I could share that with her. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, you're probably wondering what's happening right now. This is what's happening, Mm -hmm. you know? Or like um, the other day, uh, I'd gotten what I thought was all my stuff done. And so I was going to sit down and have a bowl of rice. That's my favorite. One of my favorite things is like just rice. It's just, it's rice, but like, but with a bunch of butter and Parmesan. Yeah. And so like it was one of my favorite things. Instead of this like big bowl of rice. And so I'd gotten all my stuff done. I was rewarding myself with a bowl of rice. I'd gotten the rice cooking, right? So you, you just put it until it boils, right? Then you mm-hmm. put a top on it for 13 minutes and 45 seconds is the perfect <laughs> one I found out. Anyway, so I started the timer and then I got a text because someone was waiting for me to show up for a photo shoot that I had. Mm. And I totally forgot about it. And I like, I got mad not at anyone right, I, right. Didn't, I wasn't like I didn't kick my dog or kick my kids or anything but I was just mad right you know and I know that that provides or that creates an environment that does, Kate doesn't like she gets uncomfortable mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in that and so you know I was driving to the shoot I did the shoot I was driving home, my home and so I called her I said listen I'm really sorry for my reaction yeah that had nothing to do with you had nothing to do with and I apologized for how I reacted it was you know, unnecessary. And I didn't fix what I did or what I said. And yeah. again, I didn't hit anybody or anything. I right. was just, you know, mad. And no one likes to be around mad people. Sure. And so informing my wife's perspective, I feel like it's something that I can add to my life mm-hmm. to start making a difference.
1: Absolutely. I love that. That's so concrete, uh, that communication. So for me, for an example would be, uh, I was quick to anger. I was Very quick to anger. And based on lots of perception, later I learned. But at the time, I didn't know. And what I found to be very practical is when you realize that you're having this disproportionate reaction to the situation at hand, to take a moment, to take a moment to do the very same thing that we ask our kids to do. Take a time out. And so I learned that instead of reacting and responding quickly based on the emotions that were erupting, I said, can I have a second? Mm -hmm. And I walked away and in my mind, and we agreed to this because I had to communicate it. Can I have five minutes? We need to discuss this. I'm not walking away from you. This is important, but I'm just going to take five minutes to gather my thoughts. Not so that I can make a bunch of snowballs to toss at you, right? right? but so that I can assess what is it that I am feeling why am I so upset? What do I need or want? And then can I communicate that effectively? Yeah. And and that alone was a grace to myself, so back to grace, but also a grace for that individual who's standing across from you who just wants to be in relationship with you.
0: Right, and this is that thing that you talked about earlier about reacting or responding, mm-hmm. that if you just stood your ground right there and just did and just did what occurred to you, or you know, mm-hmm. like just jumped into the fight, that's a reaction. Right. And too many of us, we've talked about this before for sure, just spend our lives in this cycle of reacting to the next right. thing. Right. And so no wonder why we're exhausted. Yeah. And, How's that know, working out for yeah, you? Yeah, like crap. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I love what you said, and this can really wrap all of this up. Is when you have the thought it's happening again. That is your perspective at work. Yeah. And you have to ask, is it happening again? Why is it that I feel so strongly about it in this moment? Does this apply to this situation? And too often we think that and we move past it onto the other dialogue in our mind, but if you're having the it's happening again, whether or not it's a loud voice or a small voice, pay attention to that because that's letting you know that there's something in your perspective that may need to be corrected so that you can operate in relationship the way that you hope to so that you, again, you're gathering information so that you can be successful in your world along with your neighbors, along with the people that you love.
0: Right. I love that. So good today, Becky. You're fantastic. Thanks. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining us today on uh, the whole podcast. If you've enjoyed um, uh, this and thought think that maybe someone else could uh, benefit from these words, I'd encourage you to uh, share this podcast with the people that you love. Uh, I'd also encourage you to subscribe. Uh, to the whole podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Also know that you can always visit us at com, or if you go to com slash give, you can help support these podcasts. We think that this is a great way for us to p- pivot and stay in touch uh, with our uh Our church family and our community uh, by making sure that we're living the best life we can regardless of the circumstances in our nation and in our world or even in our neighborhood. So if you can uh, help support this podcast, please, like I said, visit com slash give and help us out. Becky, thanks once again. Thank you. Uh, And we'll see you next. Oh, wait. How can they learn more about Journey to Wholeness? Yeah, you can visit
1: j2wholeness.org, the letter J, the number 2, wholeness.org, to get more resources as well as to sign up for one of the next classes yep. starting up.
0: Classes are starting soon. They're going to be fantastic. Get involved because remember, we're all broken and it's uh, <laughs> uh, but we, we're fixable. Yeah. So we'll see you then.